1993, with most of the revitalized, expanded universe of novels and comics following the adventures of Luke Skywalker and co. in the years after the Battle of Endor, Dark Horse Comics enlisted writer Tom Vetch to explore new territory in the distant past of the Star Wars universe. The result was the Tales of the Jedi comic series, and we're going to talk about Vetch's contributions to that title today. You're listening to Legends in 15 Minutes from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Legends in 15 Minutes. I'm your host for today, Johnny Maynard, but as ever, I am not alone. Joining me today is Legends aficionado and all-round Star Wars hero, Jesse Gardner. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Johnny. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm great, Jess. It's good to have you back on the show. And back again with us is the mighty Bookster Grammaticus himself. It's Alex Taylor. Hi, Alex. Hello. Thanks so much for having me again. It's great to have you back as well. And it's nice to have you both on the same episode for a change. Yeah, this is this is going to be fun. Definitely. All right. So let's give the folks listening a little bit of context. Uh, we are looking at the initial story arcs in the Tales of the Jedi series, published in 1993 and 1994. Uh, these stories have been available as trade paperbacks, uh, in omnibus collections, and most recently in the Marvel Epic collection called Tales of the Jedi Volume 2. In terms of timeline, the story picks up around 4,000 years before the Battle of Yavin, so around 1,000 years after the Great Hyperspace War and the Jedi's first and so far only conflict with the Sith Empire. There are three story arcs here that are written or co-written by Tom Vetch. We have Ulic Kaldrama and the Beast Riders of Onderon, a familiar planet to many. Mm-hmm. Uh, the saga of Nomi Sunrider and the Freedon Nad Uprising with Vetch co-wrote with Kevin J. Anderson. So let's talk about these stories in order, I think. Well, I- I'll give us a little recap on sort of the pressy of each story arc and then we'll, we'll just get into each one in turn. Um, so Ulic Kaldrama and the Beast Riders of Onderon introduces us to two Jedi brothers, Ulic and Kay Keldrama, and their friend, the Twi'lek Tot Donita, all of whom are under the tutelage of Jedi Master Arca. Arca sends his apprentices to Onderon to help with an ongoing war between the inhabitants of the walled city of Aziz and some Beast Riders, these wild warriors on winged steeds who live in the wilderness beyond the city walls. Uh, so, Jesse, what were your thoughts on this one? Oh, just so many. Uh, this, like, I think I talked about this actually in a cross current. This is probably the most, some of the most nostalgic Star Wars gets for me. Um, I originally read this. My dad brought it home, and we listened to the audio drama together. And so it's really a powerful, strong memory. I, like, the characters were all really interesting, the plot line, and there's just... It was so different from the original trilogy. And at that point, that's almost all we had. And it was really kind of a taste of what Star Wars could be. Yeah. So definitely the first step into a larger universe. Yeah, this sticks out in my mind as a really early example of uh, some some expanded universe content that really pushed the boundaries and did something really, really different. Uh, Definitely one of my nostalgic favorites as well for that reason. Uh, but you mentioned there the audio drama, Jesse, um, which kind of goes under the radar, I think, for a lot of folk. When did you first listen to that? Oh, that would have been like 90... It was shortly after it came out, 1994, 1995. Uh, 
I was yeah, a teenager. Yeah. So this okay. Was so it was really early before on. the turn of the century. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, back in the 1900s. <laughs> back in the 1900s. <laughs> I mean, as the Zoomers say. Yeah. But that audio drama is hard to get a hold of now. It's um that that's a real collector's item. Yeah, I've yeah. I've got it on CD. I also first encountered that back in the uh, in the 90s. I've I've still got it somewhere. Um but uh you know, of course when when I got an iPod, I I made rips of everything yeah. and so I've got it in my safely ensconced in my iTunes library. Um, but it's now actually more accessible than ever, thanks to uh, some some mm. fine, upstanding YouTubers. Yeah. Yes, that's beautiful. Um, I think it might also be on Audible. I don't. I don't remember. I, I couldn't find on Audible in the um, UK. I have then... it on Audible, but I think they okay. got rid of it in, okay. with the crossover. Not crossover, but the reboot. Yeah. So it it is it is available on YouTube though, and um, it's a it's a fascinating little time capsule. Those audio dramas because they're some of i think the the hammiest corniest oh, star wars yeah. content ever produced oh, yeah. um i mean this training <laughs> droid ha, is yeah. no match Ugh, for me <laughs> like it's just it's so four color and silly yeah, it really uh, but is. i love it, it but, um, <laughs> but that, that sort of in, in a way it leans into even the, the dialogue and some of the melodrama of the stories you know you've got Right. You've got sort of Ulick and his brother and Titon, uh, Totonita sort of sweeping in to rescue the princess of Onderon, but she's like, no, I don't want to be rescued. I want to marry Prince, whatever his name is. I'm sorry <laughs> to remember now. You know, the, the yeah. leader of the Beast Riders. <laughs> you know, it's, yes. it's, all, you know it's, it's, it's daring do and swooning, you know? I I described this arc uh, in, in my notes, uh, rereading through this this time, as... as somewhere between flash gordon and cecil b demille yes. totally perfect yes. absolutely <laughs> it's it's got big flash gordon energy and i love it yep so um alex i mean is this a this is a nostalgic favorite for you then as well oh absolutely yeah i uh like jesse first encountered this uh back in the the early 90s shortly yeah. after it was it was published um and man I was I was quite young at the time, and it was it was really uh, inspiring, really exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, it it felt to me as a kid uh, like this this discovery of ancient lore. Yeah. Uh, you know about the the Jedi. It was so fun. Yeah, I, I used to obsess over the covers of these comics. Um, I, I sort of I'd swing. I'd often swing by. Uh, a bookshop in in my local city center on on the way home from school. I sort of yeah. I, I had a, a several buses to catch and sort of connections to make on my journey home from school. Um, yes. and I so I'd have time to mill around bookshops in town, and, and I would go in and just look at all these amazing early mid nineties comic covers and these the tales of the jedi ones just blew me away you know um that classic Absolutely. one of quell drama with holding his green lightsaber and then all of the other jedi lightsabers being held up sort of partially in silhouette behind yeah you know, yes but, you know, but, yeah but that was some of the hands are human like some of them are clawed there's one that's like a tentacle holding a, a, a like a tentacle you know, yeah you know and that's just like mind-blowing like the 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 possibilities were endless in terms of what stories they could possibly tell you given that we'd ever right. really seen was luke skywalker you know yeah um, yeah and, and... it was just so so inspiring yes. I, that that cover is one of the most iconic uh pieces of of 
artwork depicting the Jedi from that period easily. Uh, yeah. It was very wisely, I think, reused by West End Games for their Tales of the Jedi Companion cover. Yeah. Because um, it just, it says so much. It's such a mission statement for the era Absolutely. and the, the kind of stories possible. Yeah. Uh, Dave Dorman yeah. is maybe my favorite Star Wars artist of all time. Yeah. It, it's superb and it, it, it popped up as the cover for the audio drama and it pops up all over the place mm-hmm. um and i guess the cover yeah, so for the like epic it. collection too yes it did yeah. for the for the new marvel yeah. re-release that's absolutely right yeah right yeah. yeah they did some some kind of um much less impressive kind of digital art for the uh the dark horse omnibuses which is what i've got yeah. um they're uh, i uh, i kick myself over and over for having having ditched my old individual dark horse trade paperbacks mm. i don't know why i did that many years ago yeah <laughs> i i don't know what became of my original trade paperback which had uh, mm. at least the first two story arcs here the the, the beast riders of onderon uh, and the nomi sunrider saga um but I, yeah when i sort of came back to these in more recent years i knew that i had to go out and rebuy it <laughs> on the second hand market yeah just just to have a copy of it yeah. back in my life even though i had the um, i have the dark horse omnibus <laughs> i have the stories in other formats but i just i just mm-hmm. wanted that artifact back um just, just yeah just sort of, i i completely get it. the memories flooding back you know um mm-hmm. so, so in this story, um, Ulick and Co are sort of are shipped off to wander on to sort of to take on the Beast Riders, only to discover that the situation is maybe a little more complicated um, than they thought, because obviously mm. the, the princess wants to marry the chief Beast Rider, and the situation is, is quite different. Um, but this is the first time we're seeing Onderon in in mm-hmm. the Legends continuity, and obviously it would go on to, to greater fame. In in things like the Clone Wars, and would sort of carry on in the new mm-hmm. canon era with sort of a, a Saw Gerrera's stomping ground, etc. Um, yeah. How, how did Onderon strike you guys when you first came across? Loved it. it. Like Onderon is still probably my one of my favorite planets. Just all of the what I like about Onderon too. And this is something that I go back and forth on. Is its history is the same in canon and legends, like. As far as I know, you know, nothing contradicts anything we've yeah. got. Yeah. As is in the Walled City and the Beast Riders, it's all kind of it's still there. The planetary history is the same. Yeah. Until somebody does something. Yeah, the, the beasts that we see, the winged beasts that we see, sort of later in the Clone Wars, they're they're not quite the same sort of vicious flesh chomping monsters that that we see here. No, but, but four thousand you know, years, perhaps over thousands of years. They have exactly. Domesticate yeah. exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, so I, I always got the sense that that was sort of Dave Filoni as a fan of some of this older content, putting enough stuff. in I think there. that was George. George is kind of famously a, a fan of the comics. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Yeah. So I always yeah, I always figured it was more George than Dave. Because, like, yeah, it was my understanding he loves. Like, we get A-Less or Kura mm. later in Quinn and Vosnick in 1, 2, and 3, pulled from those comics. Yeah, yeah. I, I do recall that George um, definitely spoke with Kevin J. Anderson around the time Anderson was working on not only the Jedi Academy, trilogy of novels but then obviously he would take on the writing reins on this title from from tom bitch so yeah that that, that rings yeah. well george george would have been familiar <laughs> with, with this stuff no doubt yeah the uh 
the thing that strikes me about those big uh the beasts uh on Onderon and and Duxun, I guess it's pronounced. Nobody's they, ever known. They call it Duxun. They, they call it Duxun when when it pops up. It yes. pops up on the second Knights of yeah. the Old Republic game and I was I was very thankful to hear people saying it out loud in the game. <laughs> um it's it's pronounced it's it, it's spelled D X U N, right? But D- Duxon apparently, and and yeah, in the in the game they they put the emphasis on the vowel that doesn't exist in the way that it's spelled, <laughs> yes. um, which is very very peculiar. But but right, so the the, the big beasts. Uh, something I I like about them is that um, big creatures like Dubaks and Banthas have have always been a part of Star Wars yeah. since 1977. But placing them front and center in this story really helps to create this sense of barbarian antiquity. Yeah. Like we're back in the time of dinosaurs and mammoths. Uh, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's a great way of, of um, suggesting uh, that, that ancient time. Yeah, absolutely. Some of those visuals still live rent-free in my head from, from my time reading this as, as a teenager of the, uh, the beasts tucking into a hearty meal of... Um, you know, these the sort of convicts and unwelcome folk who've been kicked out of the walled cities to to, to be fed. To <laughs> yes, base, you know, all the the sort of sort of cave cave dwellers, yeah. like huddling in fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 um it's potent stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so yes, daring do and swooning and big beasts, all all very very Star Wars. The second story arc, though, uh the saga of Nomi Sunrider. It's called a saga. It's two issues. Um, yeah. no, it's, it's three. <laughs> is it? I think it's a, yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, the, the, yes. the Beast Riders is two. Yes, you're right. And then the saga yeah. of Nomi Sunrider is three. My bad. Yeah. So yeah, the... And, and to be fair, there are some there are some very short Icelandic sagas. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but here we sort of, we're leaving Ulick and Co behind for a few issues. Um Sort of almost suggests sort of maybe the original plan was some kind of anthology style thing. You know, there's no mention of of the other guys. Right. Todd Danita yeah. shows back up at the end. He does. He does. Yeah. So there's a little right. bit of overlap. Yeah. We've got. Um, we're meeting married a married Jedi and her Sunrider. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the first time we're seeing a, a married Jedi, I guess. Um, uh, and his wife yeah. Nomi. They, they were, were. Really common in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think I, I remember reading this in the nineties and still being a bit surprised. I think I still sort of expected most Jedi to be sort of slightly, I don't know, slightly monkish, you know, um, a, a bit more, a right. bit more Obi Wan yeah. um, or, or, or Yoda, you know. Like we talked about in the um, uh, the the previous episode on the uh, the the Golden Age yeah. of the Sith arc, um, it's it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing because what was done with the Jedi in the 90s in the expanded universe, showing them to be married and and so on, and also showing them to be sort of lone ranger martial types out on the fringes rather than a a centrally established order. And then the alternate vision that George gives us in the prequels, neither of those actually contradict anything that we saw in the original trilogy. They're they're both um, building on the original trilogy material just taking it in different directions um just is very interesting to keep in mind because it's it's not like they're you know retconning each yeah. other or one is a you know yeah they're, they're just alternate visions arising out of the same yeah. 
inspirational yeah. source the, 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 there are a few little things in here that that um are, are, are remind me of bits and pieces that maybe george would later contradict so the, the way and uh, so nomi's husband andor is murdered at the very very, <laughs> very early on in the story um <gasps> and, and his, he sort of comes back as a force ghost as a one and done chance to come back as a force ghost and give her some advice and Right. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't remember what George's final word on sort of who couldn't couldn't come back as Force Ghost and under what circumstances. But um... if I'm if I'm recalling right, uh, there was there was material on the cutting room floor uh, uh, for Revenge of the Sith of uh, Qui Gon mm -hmm. essentially saying to Obi Wan, uh, "I have I've found uh, a." a way to to live on in the force yeah. retain my personal identity and so on and that that was a unique thing yeah um but yeah force ghosts yeah. like married jedi were another <laughs> one of those things that were just very common in the 90s it, expanded yeah universe. it's like you're dead oh never mind right there there, there seemed often though to yeah. be a kind of expiration date yeah. of the empire like obi-wan uh the thrawn trilogy we see obi-wan yes saying goodbye yeah to uh to luke we see um in the truce at bakura we see anakin uh, that was good goodbye to, yeah. to leia um yeah. yeah yeah and certainly here it's a it, it's a one it's a one and done appearance from Andrew yeah. sunrider in canon they kind of seem to just float around forever so yeah with the, i like the expiration date you know you can come back but yeah. you yes. got like 10 years it seems yeah right yeah it's they seem to be something more like um like bodhisattvas yes. in, the, in the Buddhist tradition, like they, they, because uh, the idea of a bodhisattva is someone who, um, so, like self-sacrificingly, I'm way oversimplifying this, but but uh, passes up the opportunity to attain uh, nirvana, to attain what what every Buddhist wants, in order to help others on the mm. on the path. Right, right, and that's that's very much like what the these Jedi are doing because it's natural, it appears, for Jedi to become one with the Force and for their unique personality to be subsumed into the the greater mass of the Force. Uh, whereas the the ones who retain their identity as as Force goes, Qui Gon, uh, Yoda. Obi-Wan and, and so on um, are, are doing so to to continue to serve and to teach. Oh. Yeah. I, I do wonder where they'll go with some of this stuff. Well, you know, f famously, I guess they tend not to develop these ideas too much in sort of films and, 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 and shows and just leave all these questions hanging. But certainly the, the, the way yeah. canon has gone with it, it was something like The Rise of Skywalker, where just about every Jedi ever has a voice, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, and, and, yes. and, and, and <laughs> they are all now able to somehow at least speak, if not appear. Um, you, you know, right. there's it, it's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, and, and that is almost certainly something that it's a, it's a decision that was made for emotional impact and drama and no one is Yes. Everybody's other, going, all the other subsequent creators cool. are going to have to figure out what it means and how it works. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's like the it's like the famous uh, or infamous holdover. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, this gets dropped into the yeah. film, and 
and now everyone else has to deal with the ramifications <laughs> like, of that. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, <laughs> so we'll have fun with that, guys. You could just, um, you yeah. know, the mood, the mood in the room of, I don't know, uh, be it Pablo Hidalgo's officer, Leland Chi, or the story group, whoever's room these meetings happen in, when. When, yeah. when someone, you know, there's a new note from the new latest director of the latest film says, ah, oh, so-and-so has a great idea. That's <laughs> 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 no. not how yes. Star Wars works, yes. but we'll make it work somehow. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. kind of their job to go around with the sticking plasters afterwards and, you know, to, mm -hmm. to do a couple of comic miniseries and not a novel that sort of fixes it. Anyway, yes, yes, smooth <laughs> side track. Um, so yeah, Nomi Sunrider. Mm. Uh, she is uh, now widowed and a single mom. So here we, we've got the sort of single mom mm -hmm. on a Jedi journey, although quite a reluctant one. She's on it. She's got to deliver these crystals to uh, her husband's would-be master, Master Thon. Um, mm -hmm. Jesse, what did you make of that story? Did you enjoy the saga of Nomi Sunrider? I really did. I think. I what I I really liked Master Thawne, you know, we get there, we meet him in uh, Vima. Is that her name? Vima? The daughter can speak with him. Vima. Yeah. Nomi for the mm, yes. For the first what is it, the first issue or so? I know because I'm more familiar with the audio drama. Um Nomi can't communicate with him. Uh-huh. And she kinda has mm. to talk to her daughter and the doctor says, Oh, Master Thawne said this and you know. And there's also Oss Willem too. and I just yeah, Master Thawne sticks out. I mean, I like, I do like the idea of, you know, the single mom. And it's like that is something entirely. I don't think we've had that again. Yeah. And oh, also, the planet that they're on shows up again in Path of Destruction. It's the um, oh, yeah. oh I can't think of the name of it. Ambryos mm. and that poisoned lake. Um, Ambria. 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 With that yeah. poisoned lake with the dark side, very reminiscent of Dagobah and Yoda. We still. Don't quite know why Jedi Masters go to places yeah. that are really heavy in the dark side. <laughs> they just they just go right up yeah. to the very edge. Yeah. And maybe they're yeah. there to hold yes. back the darkness. Indeed. I mean, I think Zan maybe suggested in, in the Heir to the Empire trilogy that certainly, certainly I think Luke's thinking was that Yoda had gone to Dagobah and lived so close to the dark side cave there because somehow that masked his presence. Yeah. Great um, light, great dark. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I don't I saw but I don't know what Master Thon's excuse for going living next to the creepy lake was. Yeah. <laughs> it could be that they go there to to test themselves. I, yeah. yeah, like a spiritual testing. Or or possibly more to monkey. contain it. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. That's gotta stay keep by it, the keep dark an eye on it. Where it's at. Yeah. You I want am, something like that getting loose yeah. and spreading into the galaxy. So kind of a vigil. Right, right. I, I, I do love the parallels between mm -hmm. Masters Yoda and Thawne. Because Thawne is clearly meant as a yeah. as an echo yeah. of Yoda. The way that when, when Nomi gets there, she's looking for this great Jedi Master. And there's this yeah. sort of this Triceratops <laughs> wildebeest thing um, yeah. that doesn't even seem to speak. And... So it's like it's like Yoda, but in reverse. Instead of being this little tiny guy, yeah. he's this enormous yeah. animal. Um, but he's a great Jedi yeah, master. That's, it's really I fun. remember as a teenager reading it and thinking, "Gosh, this guy is so powerful. He doesn't even need a lightsaber. Obviously, he he wouldn't be able to hold one." But because <laughs> he he's this massive quadruped, right? Um, you know, with these sort of <laughs> elephantine feet. Yeah. Another thing 
about the uh this the, the first issue of this arc that i had never thought of before uh rereading this time i i realized we have here a precursor to starlight beacon from the uh the, oh that's the true republic uh, sorry the high republic stories um yeah because we, we've got the uh the station where andor is is murdered uh it's described as um let's see i've got the the quotation here these ancient explorers of hyperspace erected beacons between the stars at the jump coordinates that were known to be safe and reliable yeah. that's yeah. and i thought oh my goodness wow. that's starlight beacon that, that's starlight beacon is right yeah that's <laughs> really really fun um so yeah i mean i i love nomi sunrider as a character i love the idea of this sort of single mother mm. jedi character um it's just not something we've as you said not something we've seen much if anything of since um i, I i've got my own views on maybe how they maybe squandered some of yeah. the potential of, of the character and we, we, we might touch on that in, in, in when we talk about some of the later oh, yeah. books but um I, I love I love this setup for the character, and um, although it's slightly interesting how the art style changes between Same. the issues that we've got here in this run, um, very different takes on the character. Um, I can't remember who the two artists are, but are, are the art duties switch during this story arc? And so, so the the initial artist, you've got this sort of take on Nomi with quite a strange hairstyle, which sort of with a very high forehead with a little. Yeah. She doesn't quite look human. Yeah, with a little sort of extra tuft of hair. She looks very human to me. And then there's the more sort of sort of traditional flowing locks and sort of long flowing green dress. Yeah. Janine Johnson mm. was the uh, the first artist, and David Roach was the the second. I I rather prefer uh, Roach's take. Likewise, um, likewise. Although both of them, um, in terms of their their other designs, um, the the locations and ships and so on. Uh, it struck me this time how very, very rooted they are in the uh, designs of the original trilogy, yeah. right down to copying, uh, you know, the Ubrickian um, barge and the, you know, the hut being being served by the same species yeah. that were in the yeah. employ of, of Jabba and so on. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at a couple of panels of the barge right now. And I, I could be yeah. looking at the Return of the Jedi comic adaptation <laughs> you know it's got the same right. it's got exactly the same right. vibe whereas uh chris gossett uh in the beast riders of Onderon arc before this um he, he struck a, a really good balance i think between very different yeah the the aesthetics of the original trilogy but but with different expressions he wasn't just copying it was it was inspired by um definitely does not feel as there was a lot of, um, and I noticed this. I actually watched a film with ancient Egypt. There's a lot aesthetically art wise. Oh, yeah. From that kind of pulled from mm -hmm. ancient Egypt into the art style of yes, him. Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the last of these three story arcs written by 
Tom Vetch. Here, uh, at the end of his run, he's joined by incoming writer Kevin J. Anderson, who would obviously go on and take on solo writing duties for, for the rest of the title's run, uh, including, obviously, the, the prequel comics that, uh, Alex, you and I spoke about a month or so ago. Um, so this is right. the Freedon Nad uprising. Uh, and I, re- I remember being very excited the first time I read this because it was bringing Ulik Quadrama mm. and his friends together with Nomi Sunrider. We're going back to Wanderon with a threat that's more explicitly linked to the dark side and the Sith. Uh, and the story also introduces these cousins, Satala and Alima Kito, these sort of spoiled heirs to the Empress mm-hmm. Tita system who are hungry for forbidden Sith knowledge and power. Alex, how did this one, how does this one work for you as a kind of a, as a, I guess one of the very first Star Wars team ups <laughs> that that we get. Yeah, um, narratively, uh, I think really well. I I like this one a lot. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the art in this one. Um, Nomi is is back to her uh, her strange sort of yeah. hairstyle. Yeah, they do go back to that. <laughs> doesn't they? doesn't quite work for me. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think uh, overall the, 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 the story presented here, the, the way that um, uh, King Omen is, is acting as a sort of vessel of, of dark side energy and he's, his body, his, his decrepit, horrible old body is literally just held together by, by machinery, medical technology and, and, yeah. and hate. Yeah. Um, it's such a, such a striking striking it, image um it really is and th- there's a lovely little easter egg um to do with that i don't know if you've ever read the the um the novelization of the rise of skywalker i was just thinking about that oh yes yeah well Je- jesse chime in do, do oh, you want to tell I us about that i don't have the exact easter egg it's been more than a minute since i read that but i was listening again to the audio drama this morning and we're talking about him being held together by dark side magic and machinery. And I went, oh, I know where they've done that again. They did that with the other case. You know, and, and I like how they've uh-huh, used that uh-huh. piece of lore. Yeah. And it's just gone. And they, they oh, and they ran with it. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. The, yeah. Yes. Well, they, they ran with it so much that when um, Bless Ray Carson, the, the, the writer who did the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker, but when she came to come up with the name for the contraption that is holding Palpatine together and moving moving him around, it's called an oh, omen frame. Nice. Oh my goodness! I complete. So I've only listened to the audiobook uh-huh. of that, and that is probably why yeah. it went over my head. Yeah. But I I had no idea. Isn't That's it? amazing. I, Thank I remember you, Johnny. I, when I read it. I mean, and actually, I had quite a good. I, I don't always get on with novelizations, but I had quite a good time with that one. Um. Same. And it was just one of those moments when I read it, and it just filled me with joy. That yeah, oh my goodness, that that is delightful. Yeah, a really a nice tip, and the perfect tip of the hat to this bit of lore as well. It works perfectly. It's a, it's exactly Absolutely. the same idea. Dark side user, you know, should be dead, but being held literally held together mm-hmm. by dark magic and a contraption that's literally keeping his bones yeah. from falling apart. You know. Um, yes. So yeah. So that was yes. a omen frame. That was called Man, an omen frame is... in the Rise of Skywalker, according to the novelization. And here we've got, like you said, King I King love Omen. It. King Omen. He's pretty nice. much in the same boat. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, another one of those mm-hmm. images that lives rent free in my head is the panel where his omen frame gets dis- gets dismantled, oh. <laughs> and, and he sort of collapses in on himself. 
Yes. He's just like a sack of flesh. Yeah. It's just, it's so yeah. horrible. It's um <laughs> I, oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Bless 90s comics. <laughs> I don't know yes. they go there now. You know what else? Um, what else sticks out to you guys about the Freedom Nad Uprising? Um, Jesse, is there anything in particular that that um, you love about this one that maybe doesn't work for you as well? The the Freedom Nad Uprising is a really good. It's like an ending to those two arcs. You know, we've got the Onderon, the Beast Riders of Onderon, and the Saga of Nomi. Sunrider, and it, it's a really nice, it wraps it all up nicely in a bow. I'm like, you get a good epic battle. Yeah. So a very satisfying arc. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about you, Alex? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. I, I think, um, Johnny, you and I talked uh, in, in the, um, the, the Sith episode, Golden Age, uh, about how, uh, I think for both of us, the, the, the Sith War, the big battle, uh, mm -hmm. the, the hyperspace war, didn't feel as fully realized yeah. as as we might have liked. Uh, it, it felt a little cut short. Um, whereas, yeah, I agree with Jesse here that um, this feels much more satisfying. Um, the way that the these two different groups of characters, mm -hmm. Thawne and his students, Arca and his, uh, are introduced independently. We see them having their own adventures and then they're brought yeah. together by the force by fate uh and and uh they have this this big climactic battle um it really it really does feel very yeah. satisfying it's it's nicely scripted um and uh and then leaves the door open for for more exciting yeah adventures. i mean it, it it's um for me it's very much the avengers assemble of the tales of the jedi era you know I, I almost was, said that a, a couple yeah, of minutes I mean, ago. It, yes, it, it, it's yeah. kind of the end of phase yeah. one. You know, oh, it's kind of it is. It's bringing bring, yep. bringing the gangs together, um, but also just teeing up a little bit of extra for the future. Mm -hmm. So obviously, yeah. the, you know, it, they're introducing these two heirs, the Satal and Alima Kito, who are sort of they're sneaking around on their own, um, you know, stealing Sith artifacts and dark side artifacts and. Um, they're going to become very important yeah. as, we, as we go on. Um, yeah. uh, as we look at in, in the next episode, we'll look at all of the all of the ill things that are wrought, but by those guys and uh, and and other folk. Yeah, you know? I I love uh, with with these three arcs, uh, just how wide open they make the galaxy of this period mm. feel it really is uh a a a kind of wild west uh a, a frontier full of endless possibility for uh yeah. adventure this is this is something with um some of the some of the the, the more recent canon publications and and even the movies the sequel trilogy the the sequel era and the high republic era as much as i've enjoyed many things about them they neither of those eras have nearly such a sense of uh wide open yeah. horizons open possibilities yeah the galactic wonder the galactic scale quite feel right right like yeah trying to imagine 
a place for oneself in a in a role playing game, for instance, if you're going to play a, a pen and paper role playing game set in one of these eras, the the possibilities just yeah. feel endless in the Tales of the Jedi era. Like there's there's so much you know that there's so much that's kind of left hazily ill defined. Like what is the structure of the Jedi Order? What kind of missions are these guys going on? Who who determines yeah. that? Like you know you can kind of it's very freewheeling, whereas in yeah in in the the high republic and and in the sequel era as well um there's this this very very tightly structured sense of going from one big action catastrophe set piece to the yeah. next um and it, it it might make for very exciting storytelling but it just it it leaves much less space for yeah it, it, it's probably um, one of the for- one of the weaknesses of, of and I love the High Republic, but one of its weaknesses, I think, is that when you tell so many interconnected stories, sometimes the galaxy feels yeah. smaller. Y- right. You know, well said. Very well said. The more you tie things together, the, the smaller the world yeah. feels. And you know, I mean, and I guess you know that that, that is solvable for, and that you know, maybe when they sort of finish what they've the story that they're telling, this big sprawling thing they're telling. Maybe that will just be sort of an era that you can dip in and out of, and other writers will just get to go and tell very different tales. I hope so. You know, uh, uh, I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah, I really am hoping for that. There, as far as I know, nobody has said anything to that effect. Uh, I I haven't seen all the you know many many interviews that have been done with the writers at this point, but um, yeah, I would really like to see that because. Because for me, you know, as a as a ten year old in the mid '90s reading these Tales of the Jedi comics, that just set my imagination on yeah. fire. Just the ideas of of these these Jedi warriors going out on on the the these a thousand yeah. worlds scattered throughout the galaxy and, and having all kinds of adventures, fighting monsters and defeating evil sorcerers, I mean, and it's just yeah. it's so cool. Part of me feels like that 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 might be a little bit of a I don't know. Maybe fans of our generation, and I, I use that term lightly because there's a bit of an age range here. No, I'm not, not I, much. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't all think. Middle-aged but age. Um, yeah, all, all within a decade. So. Or so, yeah. um, but you know, the time that we that we sort of yeah. grew up in um, as Star Wars fans. I think we appreciate some appreciate that less is more sometimes and that leaving leaving some things to the imagination mm. is is where yeah. the fun is at sometimes you know true because, yeah because yeah. that's all we had we you know we, 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 after three films we just had a couple of strange cartoon series and a bunch of kenner figures and it was up to us to have our own and it was up yeah. to us to have our own fun we did you know? yeah for for me i um I was I was born in the '80s, but I had uh, my older brother's original Kenner figures uh, from a, a few years before, uh, and and he passed on his old uh, Marvel oh. comics as well, uh, the the Star Wars uh, Marvel comics. He he had the the whole adaptation of the original film, and then um, probably about. 15 or 20 issues after that that i got and i just read and reread and reread those things and those and the vhs tapes of the original trilogy were well and and the two ewok movies uh i had those on vhs as well and um and that was star wars to me it was like those action figures the 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 that those handful of of precious marvel comics yeah yeah i got those in the mail 
the Marvel comics. My mom was a huge Star Wars Did fan. Did you? And I, I thought about this as an adult. I'm like, they yeah. were always open. You know, I had an issue when I got home. So my mom got it and then would open it and read it. <laughs> and um, let me read it when she had, you know, when I got home from school. <laughs> Put me and my brothers. That's delightful. I'm way, way behind on those vintage comics, but I do have the more recent um, Marvel Epic Collection reissues, and they are not quite next, but almost next on my list of things to read. So I am going to be getting to those very, very soon. Oh, they're so much fun. I read a lot of them. They are, oh, they so are. strange. And so some, of the, some of the best stuff is in there. I love strange Star Wars, though. <laughs> it, it, you'll, you'll have a lot of fun. All right. Let, let's think about final thoughts for uh, the Tom Vetch run on Tales of the Jedi, then. Uh, final thoughts, Jesse? Uh, read it. Read it. Listen to it. However you consume Star Wars, find it and do it. <laughs> it is worth your time. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Top yeah. tier adventure swashbuck. I mean, goodness. Oh. Those are my final thoughts. Just just find it and read it. Bang on. What about you, Alec? I I could not yeah, I could not say it <laughs> I, I could not have put it any better myself, Jesse. That's 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 my thoughts as well. Uh read it. It's great fun. Uh these these are the days of high adventure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. As you said earlier, um heavy shades of Flash Gordon, swashbuckling, swooning big beasties high adventure mm -hmm. it's got it all and it's got it in spades um what is not to love it, 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 absolutely exactly and if you can track down those um audio dramas one way or another on youtube or whatever um that, that, that they're yeah. definitely worth a listen as alex said they are corny as all heck but boy are they fun <laughs> they are so much fun <laughs> yes. yes all right um yeah. Thanks for that, guys. Um, where can folk find you online, if you don't mind people finding you online? Jesse? I can be found on Instagram. That is definitely what I prefer to be. Legends Twin Sign 1980. That's me. And I am on Instagram as well, at Bookstagrammaticus. I still love that name. It's one of the best handles I've ever seen <laughs> on Instagram. I love it. I love it. I I thought of it a couple of years before I used uh -huh. it, and I thought, oh, this is this is too good. Yeah, I'm I'm very pleased with that. If I if, if say I so had been you, I probably even if I had no intention to use it, having thought of it, I would have registered it anyway, just to make sure no one else could. Yes, just to just to protect it. Yeah, that's probably the trademark <laughs> lawyer in me coming out. <laughs> of course, you can find mm. me as at Journals of the Wills on Instagram. That's Journals with an S and Wills with an H. Uh, I'm on Threads as well, and I'm also on Twitter as at Journals Wills because the other name was too long for Twitter. Uh, and of course, you can reach out to the podcast team on those <laughs> platforms. Just look for at SWBC podcast. Uh, Legends in 15 minutes will be back. Uh, next time, we will be looking at the remaining stories in the Tales of the Jedi comic series, which includes some of the some of the earliest attempts at transmedia storytelling in Star Wars, spearheaded by the great Kevin J. Anderson, uh, who, who peppers uh the next batch of comic stories with things that would also appear up here in the jedi academy books uh, and, and of course canon in 15 minutes will be back soon as well uh in the meantime it is a goodbye from alex adios and it's goodbye from jesse bye and the force be with you and it's a goodbye from me thanks for listening folks till next time <laughs>